0: Frank Ockenfels the third, or 3 is not just a photographer who has captured some of the most brilliant artists, musicians, actors, politicians, models and authors in a unique way for over three decades, but also somebody who oftentimes uses his photos as just the first layer of a much more deep, weird, meaningful and strange creations. It was a pleasure to chat with him and we'll start off with trying to get his name right. You have the number three after your name. I suppose it means you're the third Frank Ockenfels. I am yes and I, but,
1: uh, I put the th- I put the three because I just I, uh, well initially I didn't use it when I was a kid and then I moved to New York and my dad I didn't grow up with my dad, but my dad lived in New York and um, he started to get a you work um, yeah, for the company he worked for to do like little press pictures when I was in college. And when the checks would come through, it would say a check for Frank Auchenfels and they didn't understand why he was getting separate separate, separate checks. So then we had to make sure I put the three at the end of it. And then from there, it just became like, you know, I had just adapted it as a part of my, you know, part of my name and then I got rid of the RD and the Roman numeral and just put a three to make it just more, more my thing.
0: Well, it it feels very artsy for sure. (laughs) But but do you call, <laughs> is it is it called Frank Ockenfeld's three? Is that what you call yourself, or is it the third? And you just you're just using the number three.
1: I you know it's I think I just uh, it's always been over the years uh, when I was shooting editorial you know years ago when I was a kid uh, it was always uh, funny to see if it appeared or not because they always thought it was a typo because I just put the three at the end of it and um, I kind of like just saying the word three. Uh, uh when i was in new orleans working on a job someone was calling me frank trois which i thought was funny <laughs> but uh but the three is uh the three just kind of stuck because i just liked how it looked more than the rd or the roman numeral so i just kind of it just kind of stuck i mean i don't think it was ever conscious i just think it just was like oh well i'm just going to put this in my name and, and then it became a thing um over the years um uh sorry i turn it off uh um became a thing over the years and just i kind of like just the the rhythm of it and i just and i started doing things in threes which was kind of funny it just became very much like uh even down to the book when we published the book the three became a conversation um kind of intertwining it through things so it became a fun little kind of like uh, easter egg i guess so
0: what's the first thing that uh, the number three reminds you of
1: reminds me of yeah uh, odd <laughs> It's an odd number. so to me it's like I like the I never like things that are even I like things that are odd. So I think it kind of goes with the whole uh, point of uh, you know the oddity of and the abstraction of vision. So I kinda liked the, kind of like that had a kind of a connection to that. Um, also it's, they seem to say that you know that uh, men, uh, men seem to take uh, their third decision is usually their best. And women there's there first so it's kind of like i thought that was kind of an interesting parallel someone told me about that one time can you so. give
0: me an example of a third decision
1: of a third decision yeah uh, in my life uh <laughs> yeah god i can't remember half my life at this point i mean it's uh um i i think it, it i think it's uh, several times i've kind of jumped into something then i was standing there and i kind of realized that uh you know that uh i mean i guess looking at my art us i'll back up to that when i do things a lot of times i will uh you know the first action is to pull it out and start drawing lines the second action um, and then i'll look at it and say it's not something's not right about it and usually the second thing i put into it activates the third because i'll realize that the first action needed to be covered up to basically allow the third thing to be put down and then um and uh, then the th- then the third thing will come in and basically complete the thought. It happens a lot in photography with me is that i'll uh, I rarely will throw um, a light or an idea at something and not have it basically go through two more incarnations before I get to what I'm trying to basically say you know um, you know in doing what I'm doing so.
0: And there is no way to getting to a third decision before making the first two. So you have to suffer through them, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all part of failure. I mean, I think that people, you know, people always look at failure as being something that is, that is a negative. I think it's a positive. I think that the point of that, you know, failure shows you're trying to do something that's not obvious or easy, you know? And I think a lot of times when you're creating art, Usually, the first action of creating anything, even no matter how put together you are, is trying to satisfy others, and um, and by the by, you know, then then you start breaking it down and you start taking it apart, and you say, well, what is it I'm trying to say? And you do that, and then by the third action, usually you're you're around to the point of saying, you know, which is which should confuse people. It should question people what they're looking at or or why they like it or they don't like it, or you know what is the reaction to it? So I think there's a lot of that involved with that kind of conversation, so.
0: Yeah, uh, I had a conversation with a friend recently and she told me that one of the beautiful things that we have gotten from uh, the United States in the past few decades is uh, the fact that failure is something good and that this is something that, yeah. that, that has come from, from yeah. American culture.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny, you know, it's such for, you know, the behemoth that America is uh, and the attitude that we can do no wrong, we do so much wrong, you know, so, but usually it's by the action of doing things wrong that we sometimes get it right, you know, and I think that that's, and art is a big thing with that, I think that, you know, anyone can go out and do the most basic point of drawing or painting or, you know, you can take a class and you can do all the things that your teacher's telling you. But there's another point of basically going beyond what that is. You know, you can always follow. Like when I teach classes, you know, students always ask me about like, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And I mean, I could, I could basically show them exactly how I did it. And there was a lot to get to that point. And even by explaining it to them, I'll see maybe now another direction of trying it or doing it differently. You know, and but if I gave them all the information, they still wouldn't be able to um, do exactly what I did. Because there is other uh, other parts of that that happen in, in the journey to get to where you're trying to basically create something.
0: And so. even, even if they were able to do the exact same thing, then it wouldn't have the same energy. Because this is something that you can see a lot, especially on Instagram today, because there are so many mm-hmm. photographers who have only like... Uh, grown up and became somebody on Instagram. And uh, mm-hmm. once, you, once you see something beautiful, a cool way of taking a photo, it becomes very popular and people just trying to imitate that. But you can find like 20,000 right. photos looking exactly the same. And it's like, yeah. yeah, it's cool, but there is nothing like special about it anymore.
1: Well, that, and that's the argument of any kind of art is that is that that's the problem when you create art is that who are you creating it for? And that's kind of the the hardest part of doing this because you are influenced by everything around you. So I always say to people, if you're a photographer, don't look at photography. Go look at painting or go look at sculpture or, you know, go go walk in the woods and watch the light and how it moves to the trees. Don't go look at what you're trying to basically do, you know, because it's all... All great photography, all great art comes from a feeling and from within the inner mind of what you kind of basically pulled together and and then decided then to take all those elements and then create something, and that that is a lot harder to do and it takes a lot more time, and then sometimes over the years, I mean, like at my point, I'm I'm almost sixty-two, so you know i spent years and years and years just collecting ideas and how to light things and how to do things and how to approach and i still every single day learn something new which i love i love when i get to a point um i was shooting a job last week and i was supposed to shoot rain and and in photography rain is not easy i mean it's i didn't even think about it i was like okay let's shoot rain you know and we went out and we're in the middle of like this massive windstorm and there's like, you know, and we have these rain machines and I'm trying to light the rain and I'm suddenly looking at it going like, wait a minute, I didn't, you know, this is this is not right. And it took me like three rounds. Once again, three comes up. I mean, three rounds trying to figure out that what what is rain in photography? Because photography is a split second. If you look at it in motion, it's just moving through the frame. But as as a still image, what is the level of how far those streaks come down? They start looking more... Like, initially they look specular, and then they become these blurred lines, and then does that look like rain, and what makes it look like rain, and, you know, and you go through this whole process of trying to basically see how far you can push something, failure heavily on the way, I mean, like, you know, we were, I was just failing left and right when I was doing it, but it was exciting at the same point, because I was trying to figure it out, and I kind of love that, that I still don't know everything But I know I have so many things in my head that I keep throwing at something, whether it be collaging or drawing or, or, uh, you know, or photography. It's like it's all the same. You know, I just keep trying things over and over again and seeing what finally comes out of it. And by the act of doing that, you're finding your own moment in that. You're not basically taking out the instruction manual and saying, if you do X, Y and Z, you will get what you want out of it this way is better because on the way you'll find your own little note that you can stick into it that makes it your own so
0: yeah and you can just like if you just follow instructions you can build like a nice ikea table but if you just go on a journey you can build a cathedral and that's a cathedral is much nicer than an ikea table right
1: yeah and if you look at a lot of that i mean architecture is definitely one of those things where there's the obvious point of how to build a building and then there's the people who basically decide to go completely off the grid and 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 you can't you have to wonder at the at the brain that would go through and basically decide some of the decisions and how they would make it and and that's they weren't listening to anybody else they were just listening to themselves so
0: yeah uh, what is it that you're most interested in at the moment what has been on your mind
1: um, I don't know it's interesting I mean you know, I I spent you know I spent many years kind of Just taking pictures and and doing things and not thinking about what to do with any of it, to be honest. I mean, I just, you know, I'd make journals and, you you know, I had quite a few journals and drawings and piles of paper and things I'd done and then, you know, archives of negatives and digital images. And I would just shoot things because I was trying to just satisfy in the moment of what was going in my head. I never had any intent of making a book or having an exhibition, or, you know, there was no end game in any of it, you know, I figured maybe one day someone would say, do you want to do a book of your, you know, since I'm a celebrity and music photographer, would you want to do a book of that? So, you know, right now, I'm kind of suddenly understanding that I made the book for good Tenoise. you know, for I made volume three for Tenoise, and, and, um, and they let me do whatever I wanted to. And, you know, David and Nicholas Fahey at the gallery looked through all the images and they 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 were the ones that had the direction to it. They had the idea of saying, you know, you should do a book. And I was like, I, of what? And they were like, well let's look at what you're doing and they were the ones that kinda of see the thread of how to pull all this stuff together that I'd done over my life and and then then from there, you know, um, the people at Photographer saw the you know, saw the book and they were excited and they could say, Well Would you want to basically put it on a wall, you know, and, and, you know, I had an exhibition from the book at the gallery at Fahey Klein, but the idea of filling many rooms of ideas, it was, yeah, it was another art project, to be honest, you know, and, and Jessica and I sat for a long time going through like how we would lay out the rooms and, and, and what would they say and the journey that you would have as you move through it. So it's been a big education and what I'm kind of creating right now is just what is next. I mean, because now I've done this, you know, and this show will basically travel for five years through, which is what, you know, they have it for, and they'll run it through their different museums, photography, and, and then, you know, uh, the book has gone out, and the book did very well, and it went out, so do I do another book, and what is the book going to be? What it, what will it even say, you know? And So there's a lot of, like, good kind of resting moment here and excitement about what's next, you know, and I... I haven't figured that out. I'm still kind of just doing the same, similar sim similar things. I'm still making collages and doing my journals and 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 doing a little bit of painting. And then uh, I'm trying to teach myself new processes to see what it is. I recently picked up um, a friend of mine for Christmas. One of my one of my uh, one of the guys I hire for my commercial work got me an iPad for Christmas. And then one of my assistants. Oh, fancy! Um, Congratulations. Was really sweet. And, yeah. And he, and then one of my assistants turned around and said, you know, uh, a friend of mine, Jack, Jack, and he said to me, like, Jack, he said, why don't you ever sit in a plane and draw on this thing? I had this app, and he showed me this amazing app about what you could do about drawing and overlaying on images and manipulating images on this iPad. You know, and I spent years getting my fingers dirty and tearing things up and, of course, allowing myself to kind of see what's next in the, in the digital world and not just saying, oh, I don't think it's right and it's, it's you find your own voice in these things. So this, I got this thing called Procreate and I started drawing and painting and manipulating my images on it. So it's been an interesting, a new, whole new education, which I've been excited by because it's almost like starting over again. Like, okay, well, you have ideas. How do they apply to this? How do they move forward? So I kind of like that. I don't know what I'm doing right now, but I'm able to kind of create things out of it. So uh,
0: To come back to the book for a second, I'm going to be very, very simplistic and it's probably not that black and white, Mm -hmm. but in very like uh, large terms, I feel like uh, some artists, whether it's with a book or whether it's with with some other project, they have like a vision and a dream, but they haven't done anything and they just have to like work really hard to make something come true. And with other artists, Mm -hmm. they just keep on doing what they're doing every day, day by day for years and years and years. And at one moment they're like, oh, hey, wait a minute, I have stuff. To make a book, to make an exhibition, to make anything else.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I mean it's it's well, it, no, I mean I yeah, I see where you're going with it. I mean it's it is that it's it's it goes back to my feeling of that. Why did I do it in the first place? You know what I mean? Like I spent years and years taking pictures, and for different reasons. Some of it was for reason, and but a lot of it didn't have any reason, and it just I did it because I was I was. Uh, I just wanted to do it, I wanted to draw in a journal, I wanted to basically collage these elements together that had no sense and didn't have to make any sense to anybody else, and I felt it was important that, you know, when I was younger and people looked at wanted to look at my journal, I used to carry this journal around in my bag and, and people would say, can I look at the journal while, I'm, while we're setting up, and I'd be like, yeah, just just there's one rule behind it, is I don't really care what you think, I mean, you know, just look at it, it's not, you know, because journals are something that you do for yourself, and and." They're not to be, usually, journals are usually read after you're dead. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, but these are more like, you know, just getting out thought and process. And, you know, they started out that way, much more technical. And then they kind of ended up being more pieces of things and elements. And things that meant something to me probably didn't mean anything to anybody else. But the visual of it made sense to others, which was fine, you know. So I think that, you know, doing the book was just was just kind of like this kind of like, well, here's, here's the multi, you know, I mean, like someone said it was almost like looking at somebody who had multiple personalities. I mean, a lot of people who I have said to me that, you know, who did this in the book, who did the drawings, who did that? I mean, you know, and I had to say to them, it's all me. I mean, I just, they're all my different little brains that I, you know, that every, in my everyday life that I choose to play with in the sense of one day's photography, the next day is going to be collaging or drawing or painting or, or,
0: uh, about journaling, okay. there is this very famous saying that you sh- should always write posthumously. Is that something that you think when you're uh, doing your journal?
1: Uh, sometimes, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I it's more the point of just basically uh, flushing the mind. I mean, it kind of it, it writing came from the point of not necessarily to basically say anything to anyone else. It was to basically. Um, empty the mind so and my mother when i was younger when i was in college i used to get i used to get these anxiety attacks and uh she basically said to me well if you just write you know just sit before you go to bed so you can go to sleep and write down all the things you're thinking into a into a you know pad of paper you know so i kept the pad of paper by my bed and i would write down like i just there and i just scroll out whatever was in my head so it wouldn't be Running around in my brain all night, so
0: and did it That's help? kind of where all the writing
1: came from. Oh yeah, yeah, still does today.
0: <laughs> that's very good because this so. is actually this is actually advice that I've I have given to so many people who are struggling with anxiety because I've always yeah. had a very racing mind as well, and it's uh, it's such a helpful thing to do. So it's yeah. uh, it's a very good tip for anybody. Uh, talking about yeah. uh, talking about going to sleep. Uh, did you have any dreams today? No, no, not
1: last night. I, do, do you, my, my do you dream often? In general, yeah, I do. But I dream in these. I seem to be. Uh, my dreams seem to be a, a collection of whatever I've, I've been, I've that I've experienced within the day, visually, and hmm. um, it's so it can be other. If I end up, so my wife and I always make jokes like if we're watching something very heavy, um, before we like in the evening we always end up going on to a stand up comedy to basically. Have the last thing in our brain something funny. That's I mean? that's a good so,
0: idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I
1: I have a tendency to do that. Uh, last night I didn't dream because uh, sometimes uh, being in California, um, yeah, and the ma- medical marijuana is legal. Um, you we can. Will uh, we eat...
0: don't care here. You can. You can. You don't have to say that no, it's yeah. legal. <laughs> yeah.
1: So well, we, we basically, you know, we uh, we have gummies. These gummies that are great for sleep. And then oh one with, CB- when you with want it, just CBD. Kinda... Yeah, well, no, yeah. with the yeah, whatever the with actually the full on hit of everything. So it's so it's great. We'll split one, and, and it usually clears our mind and allows you to have a solid sleep, um, you know, in the night. So uh, I we hadn't done one in a while, and I was and we were both just kind of like we had a lot been going on lately. And I was just going like maybe tonight's a gummy night, you know what I mean? So we took half one last night. So when I do that, I don't usually, I don't usually dream. There'll be abstractions of things, but not as intense. Like we're all, uh... when I was younger, I used to talk heavily in my sleep, and go through full, you know, scenarios, and you know, and not remember any but Move around and walk around and do things. And I'm, as I'm older, I don't do it at all anymore. But my my dreams seem to be tremendously they combined, like, multiple people. Like, it never is, like, one subject moving forward. It's like, let's take all six things that happened today and put them together, and then see what comes out of it, mm-hmm. which is probably about probably right for my brain, but that's that's kind of what they usually are, so.
0: Uh, do you find dreams interesting? Is it something that you think about or you wonder about? Like, what's the, what's the meaning, their purpose, effect on life? Sometimes,
1: not much. I don't give it much. Behind it, I guess I usually can go backwards and realize why I was dreaming about it, you know, from the day before. It's, I'm never surprised at why I'm dreaming what I'm dreaming, let's say that much.
0: Okay, I I have a question which you don't have to answer because there is a topic that everybody is very, very tired of. Uh, But uh, how did you keep your sanity during the lockdown? If, um, if, if, you, if you had to do something to keep it, because many artistic people are, are uh, alone a lot of the time anyways or, or solitary, yeah. so they didn't really bother them. But mm-hmm. uh, did you do anything, anything different or was there, was there anything like uh, interesting or poignant about uh, the last year and a half?
1: Um, you know, at first it kind of slowed everything down because I was home suddenly all the time um my wife even making the joke when we hit the five month mark she said this is the longest you and i have ever been together you know because i always travel so much so um i live on a half an acre um in the valley of los in the in, in tarzana which is in california um and uh we have a half acre and we have a separate building to our house um and we have a lot of outside property Um, so we can wander on its side so the sanity of basically being stuck in a in a small room like if you were in the city we didn't have to deal with that um my uh and then both my sons were home uh one had to basically finish his high school and then graduate and then go to college for the first year all while sitting in the house so uh we were dealing with his whole thing so once we got that all figured out um I started trying to figure out like what was next, like how can I. Here, here are all the the barriers of what I have to do now. What can I do, to create something out of it? And um, there were several models that I'd worked with. Um, that had come to the house that had helped me go through things, and there was this young lady named Shelby Diamond, and she was living in Italy at the time. She got she was ended up being she was in Italy on on a on a, a school thing, and she ended up staying, and so. We started talk. I, I kind of asked her if she would get on a Facetime with me or a Zoom call, and then I ended up working where I started photographing her off the screen of the computer. And I came up with all these, and she was really patient with me, and because uh, we'd worked together before, so it was easier. So we shot all these pictures um, using uh, just working with that the that she'd move her camera around on her computer, find a piece of light, and then I would photograph it. We would talk through the whole thing. That ended up, um, I did that several times, um, I think there's a couple pieces in the, actually, the exhibition that ended up making it into it, um, uh, that were, that were done this way off the computer screen, but I then kind of moved it forward, and then we made it even more perfect, and we found the better process, and I ended up actually shooting jobs off of using the same process using the computer, so... I gave myself little tasks to say, you know, well, this isn't, you, doesn't mean you can't take pictures of people that aren't sitting in your house, that you can have the barrier that, what can you create off of this? And I kind of took it upon myself to kind of see how far I could push that. So, and then also, in the middle of the lockdown, um, you know, uh, Fotografiska, up doing the show. So, I spent a lot of time during uh, the lockdown... Uh, setting up and working with Jessica um, laying out the show and deciding what was going to be in the show and getting the pictures figured out and everything so oddly enough by the uh, because of the pandemic I had a tremendous amount of time to build and work and make the show happen so you know I I I could I mean it wasn't as like uh, mind numbing as probably other people were going through it you know it's a little difficult that you can't go out and do certain things but you know, I've I've been lucky to uh, be able to, uh, you know, I had a I had a pro I had a project to do for the last three years, and it still goes on. So
0: you know. hmm And with artistic things, also there is always this uh, push and pull of uh, freedoms and constraints, right? Because you can oftentimes th- think that oh, I don't have these like. Uh, I don't know, some technical gadgets available to me or I don't have these locations, but oftentimes these are the things that actually push you to uh, try to come up with something new and actually grow.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people always give too many excuses of why they can't do something. I don't have enough space. I don't have the right camera. I don't have this. I don't have that. If you, you can create out of whatever, if you have dirt and water, you can make something. I mean, it doesn't really, I mean you just got to start doing and the thing about it is the act the process is so important and people forget that they get tied up in their their needs of you know their creature comforts or those are a lot of times those are crutches i mean they rely too much on the camera or this or that you know to make an image you know or create something and i think that's kind of a sad part to it you know i just you know in the exhibition there's a whole wall of uh of things i either drew on or collaged on or whatever and a lot of that just was like well there's a piece of plywood here well if i put this house paint on it and then i take a marker and i draw on it you know i'm i'm still moving forward i'm still trying something that i haven't done and, and expressing what was in my head and, and out of curiosity so you know
0: yeah i always bring up the example of charlie chaplin and uh, I've told people so often that like, if you look at the uh, availabilities that Charlie Chaplin had, like the camera quality that he had, he had absolutely yeah. nothing. He had his body and he had a camera that was simpler than what you have on like, the cheapest phone right now. And, uh, yeah. like, and I, I dare people to give me like 10 movies made in the past 20 years that are better than what Charlie Chaplin made with what he had. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a lot of the things, and people get so wrapped up in. I mean that that's kind of the genius part of like of the iPhone is. Uh, I spoke at my when my son was in high school. I I went to his class and I talked about you know it was it was a class to make movies and you know little skits and stuff and you know I took all these things and I showed him a bunch of things I'd done on my iPhone. I mean you know you don't need an Alexa or a red camera to make a movie anymore. You can make it on the most basic thing. You know it's like and and it's has nothing to do with, with, the, with the tool that you're, cre- that you're using to create. It has everything to do with what's in your head and expressing what's in your head. And it, that can be done with a million different things. So.
0: Yes. Uh, how old are your sons?
1: Uh, they're 20, well, right now, 20 and 22. And
0: they're both <laughs> going to
1: college? No, no, no. Uh, my younger one goes to uh, Berkeley School of Music. He's a bass player. He's in his uh, second year, and then my older one uh, went to school for photography and art, um, and it was uh, he hated it because they were <laughs> there was too much, which which is which is my agreement nowadays almost with art schools as I, and I haven't heard of one there needs to be, but um, there seems to be too much structure to behind art schools. Art school is about you know if you want to go to a technical school and you want to learn all the technical parts of photography and you know, art, go ahead. But if you claim to be an art school, you should allow a tremendous amount of free thought and uh, people kind of trying things and being pushed to certain areas. And I think there's too much concern nowadays, especially with photography, that photography is moving so quickly right now and the technology of it that the schools can't keep up with it. And they're still working on programs that are basically old and outdated. And uh, he was very frustrated by a lot of what was going on. and so he lost his interest in photography they kind of beat it out of him that he's happens a really good yeah, so often yeah so he came home and he started writing quite a bit he wanted to, he has many ideas about how he wants to change certain things that are going on uh visually in the world and then he uh he started working as a PA on jobs and then people have actually hired him one of the movie studios actually hired him to go and cover a photo shoot for them because everyone was young on the shoot and, and the guy who was hiring him who knew him, you know, he was like 50 years old and, you know, Beck's 22 and he, he could go to the shoot and he could relate to what they needed And he also knew what had to get done to basically, you know, what they needed to basically create a movie poster. So he kind of found a whole new life and being a creative director, you know, and so he's been hired to do that sometimes. And so he's like, he's like his old man. He's kind of trying a lot of different things at this point in his life. But, uh, but uh, yeah, but it's been kind of great to watch him you know grow both of them grow. I can't believe. I mean, my son's music stuff I don't understand at all, and he'll start talking to me about it, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but it's amazing his passion. when to see someone's passion behind something, you just got to like support it and let it go and just watch it go, you know just you know go running and without, without care and as much as I can support him I do. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you approach uh, the how do I say it? like uh, having your children being interested in arts was that something that you and your wife consciously chose to do or to expose them to different Mm -hmm. stuff uh, or you were just hoping that whatever they're interested in they're going to be interested in and if it's not art it's it's not art
1: yeah i mean it's up to them I, i we didn't really consciously i i think it's like you know we used to you know the when the kids were little we decided to go do you know the kids wanted to go to soccer we signed up for soccer and we would go and neither one of them had an interest in it they didn't really and when they're little they kind of do that and you can see the kids and the parents who are very into it and, and then you you know like if your dad's and loves sports and is all about sports 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 you're going to be interested in sports you're going to kind of somewhat be part of what that is and then you know if you're no matter what your father or your mother does you're going to be influenced by that my wife is um, is a painter and a sculptor so you know and she has a studio and you know they see what I do, and, and they both have worked for me over the years as my assistants um, on jobs. So they've been influenced by all that, um, but we never said to them. You know we gave them opportunities to say, what do you want to take a class in? What do you want to do this? And you know we just always were saying, you know, what what are you interested in? You know, and my older one uh, uh, has no interest in me helping him to do anything. I mean, no matter what my you know what my uh, ability is to kind of help him introduce him to people. He likes doing things on his own. He wants to figure it out for himself and, you know, get his own connections and figure it out, which I think is very admirable, and it's, you know, it's very much uh, like my father was with his father, that he didn't want any help at all from his father. Um, So, which is interesting that my older one found that out from my father Uh, when he turned 90. They had a conversation, and it came up, and I thought that was kind of interesting how, you know they could relate on that point and how why they both did it you know and and then my younger one is the same he's he kind of wants to figure things out his own you know he knows you know he just wants financial help i mean <laughs> can we get this can i buy this program can mm-hmm. i buy this book i mean that's all they that's all they want so their, their creativity because especially with music i mean we played definitely played different kind of music in the house we, we're not you know top 40 or you know, pop pop music household you know, so he heard a lot of different things. So, and he heavily got into jazz, which was amazing to hear. A, you know, an eighteen-year-old kid, you know, taking a Miles Davis piece mm-hmm. and then um, transferring it to uh, playing, to playing how Miles is playing, but take the same notes and play it on a bass. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he was transcribing this, and I'm like listening to him, going like, "That's amazing." I didn't tell you to do that, and, and you just did it, and it's interesting to you. And he. He found out that you know how he could hear music and how he would work, work through it so you know i think just supporting your kids and what they what they're interested in moving for and then not judging them you know is kind of half the battle so.
0: has, has there been anything that you've like really 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 wanted your sons to understand or uh, or uh, like uh, move towards and they haven't been uh responsive to that
1: um no i mean it's kind of funny i mean when they when, when my younger one first said he was interested in taking pictures, I've I, my wife looked at me like sideways when I said, well, I'm going to teach him about f-stops and shutter speeds, and I'm going to make sure he understands what he's doing before he does it. And of course, lost interest immediately But I tried to do this with him. And and it's true, you don't. Just let someone go take pictures and see how they see things. And then, to, then kind of feed them little tidbits as they move forward. And saying, well, if you try this, you can do this. Which is the same way my brain works. If someone were to sit me down and make me learn something I probably wouldn't learn it you know so but neither one of them I mean you know I mean my younger one dealt with you know public school really well and did very well and my older one hated everything about being in school, in high school and junior high school and it was a struggle to get him through it so it would have been nice if he was a little more just you know show up and do at least do the bare minimum so you take care of it kind of thing but it, it just wasn't his brain he's not somebody you tell what to do he's you know if he's trying to do something what he wants creatively he doesn't like to be told which is a hard thing I mean kind of probably more the sense of a true artist that if, if you can block everybody else out and create for yourself you will find something more unique instead of having to have all these voices in your head
0: so yeah what would you say that the effect of dyslexia has been on your creativity
1: um I think it helps a lot. I think, I mean, because I think dyslexia de- deals a lot with the subconscious mind. Because you're, you know, you're, this how it basically abstracts the mind and how it abstracts your approach to writing and thinking, I think it has helped me in my, uh, in not having to think so clearly, you know. So mm. I, it's, it's, it's not a hurdle I jump, it's more of a filter, I guess is the best way to call mm. it. You know what I mean?
0: But how did so, it how did it I don't mind it. How did you how did it make you <laughs> yeah. write backwards? This is so interesting. This is so unique and it's it's puzzling to me.
1: Yeah. I I I don't know. I was sitting there one day and I was just writing something down and I started writing and it kind of just I kind of looked at it and I was like, hmm, you know, and and then it started happening more when I was doing the journals because when people started looking in the journals, you know, people started reading little things that I would, they would put in there, and then I realized, "Ah, I'm just going to write it backwards. Because then it's just me. It's kind of my own little code, you know what I mean? Because usually people can't read things backwards, and then words would run together, but I knew what it was, you know, and um, but I have, like, over the years, like, like I, when I was doing the book and I was signing people's books, I sign a lot of them backwards. You know, I sign, I'll, I'll, I'll sign the book to you backwards. You know what so, I mean? And so, so people will put the book up, up through a mirror to see what it says.
0: <laughs> so, like, but, but as, sorry that I'm asking such specific questions about it. But does it mean that you, like, you write from right to left, or does it mean that you write from left uh, yeah. to right? But it, okay, okay, that's that is so interesting.
1: No, no, it's it's right to left. Yeah, it's right to left, can, and I can get into if I if I've been work, doing a lot of it lately, I can get really into emotion of it, and then sometimes I have to kind of, you know, you'll see sometimes letters will basically reverse themselves, or I'm also renowned for basically using the wrong, um, like a two or is it two t o or t o o or is it, you know, I'll use the wrong word for things sometimes, and then and and, and then when you look at it and you look at what it's used at. Sometimes it makes more sense than actually using the right,
0: mm. uh, using the proper grammar.
1: So that's I mean? the subconscious, so, sometimes subconscious, that, subconscious that coming up. Sub- yeah. Yeah, that's very that's cool. That's right. Yeah. And what? I accept that 100%. So, yeah.
0: What uh, do your photos say about the way that you see the world, if they say anything?
1: Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't really. I just kind of. Uh, and maybe it's maybe it's how I see the world in the sense of more of abstraction than I like when things aren't perfect you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I like the connection of, uh, I mean it, you know, I shoot so many different kinds of pictures so in a portrait I think it's the, it, all my portraits are about the connection with the person you're looking at. I want it to be the most honest and, and, the, and that you feel that you're connected to who, the of the portrait of who it is kind of thing. And then when it gets more to form it's it's my struggle of understanding the movement of the body and the, and how, how, uh, how beautiful it is when it's not perfect. You know what I mean? So I kind of like that about that. So, but in general, I don't really, you know, I mean, I'm not a, a documentarian, so my, my pictures aren't really telling stories necessarily.
0: How so. would you, how would you say that your style developed? Was it uh, like, cause I guess it didn't happen in a day, like the first, you picked up a camera you didn't uh, shoot <laughs> photos like that
1: i i would say a lot of ignorance which i'm fine with i mean i i kind of approach a lot of things that way in the sense that i don't want to ever know too much about something you know what i mean so i when i take pictures i would i would learn just what i needed to know to basically take the picture i wanted to know and went and take the picture of and it. it was like so i mean and the same thing with like with lighting was the same way it was you know you know there's there's the easy way and there's the hard way of kind of getting to where you want to go. Sometimes and sometimes the the hard way is a lot more fun because maybe you can't afford the light that everyone else is using, so you try to find the light that would create the same thing. So it's 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 a constant journey, just of you know you know trying different things. And I've kind of. Um, over the years, by trying so many different things and so many different cameras, and not relying on one thing to basically say, you know, what I'm trying to say, um, I think that's that's the that's what I've kind of um, built my career upon. Is that you know it's just a, kind of a, how I see things in so many different ways. You know,
0: what would you say was the time period from you first picking up a camera? To the point where uh somebody could look at the photo that you made and say like hey this is a frank oakenfels photo uh
1: i'm not sure i even see that yet. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> i mean a lot of people look at my work and they go i knew it was your picture and i'm like really what was it about that that you saw that you think it's my picture you know and i i you know i don't know that's a good question i, I think it you know what maybe the first time i took a picture that i actually thought i was a photographer was um, I? Uh, I mean, I taken I taken many many pictures to this point, but I was living in New York, and I uh, used to go to this camera store called Lens and Repro, and um, and there was a fam- the K family owned Lens and Repro, and Jeff K was a guy who was there, and I always go in and I talk to him about photography, and we kind of we started be kind of having beginning a friendship, and I, I would say like I'm trying to do this. I, I, this is what I'm trying to see and he'd look around and he had all these amazing old cameras and, you know, things that did one thing or, you know, like whether it be like the four-pass camera that he got me that there's a whole part of the exhibition that's just that one one kind of connection and then, the, but he's the one who kind of handed me this Super D Graflex one day and we, because t- I, I was shooting everything wide open which meant there was very minimal depth of field which meant the back- backgrounds were always out of focus and, and, um, I kind of like the feeling of that and he kind of listened to me and uh and then over a period of time he first gave me the camera and then he found me the lenses to put on the camera that would create what it was I was thinking you know and and he's still a friend today I mean he's still he's an amazing photographer and he he's now given up the business doesn't exist anymore but he's shooting and we often talk about like you know the movement of a lens and And how that goes and so he had given me this camera and I was shooting this guy named Luca Bloom who was an Irish folk singer and and for Rolling Stone and he came over to my house and um, I did this portrait of him and I was like this is what I've been trying to do all my life this is a portrait that I feel um, is the answer of what my next part of my life is going to be and in, but that that one thing, you know, there's a whole wall of those portraits in in the exhibition. There's like 496 of them that I shot on this one camera. But that was just one part of it. But then I took what I learned from that and tried to apply it to other cameras and other ideas. And but what? Um,
0: uh, sorry, uh, what year was that?
1: Oh, jeez. Uh, probably it was probably in the early 90s
0: early 90s and by that time you had been shooting for how long
1: oh, i had been shooting for quite a few years at that point i guess i mean i you know at least 10 years at that point cuz you know and it you know i started out and i had like an icon and then i got a hasselblad and then from the hasselblad you know we were all shooting like black and white negative and i had a darkroom in my kitchen i didn't have a kitchen i had a darkroom in my kitchen and i would process you know, and print my own pictures and then... But
0: you know, I think, I think this, is, this is such an important piece of information because so many people think that like, hey, I want to do something and I'm just going to start doing it and in six months I will be like uh, ready to, to be seen oh, by no. everybody. But it takes, it, takes, <laughs> it takes years and years and years and years of doing something before you have actually like found your, found your way. You need
1: to find an arc. I mean, that's my biggest argument with anybody who had done a book too early in their career. I know a lot of friends did books when they were younger. And, you know, after a few years, they'd do a book. And, and what's interesting is the arc in photography. Any photo book that you look at or anyone's career is to see where they where they started and where they went. You see it, actually, I think you see that more in artists. Like, if you look at the first drawings of Egon Schiele. And you see they're perfect you know and then you see the arc of where he where he went and why we you know think he's such an amazing painter that arc of where he got and all the direction of how he got there I mean everyone from Picasso to I mean because everyone thinks of Picasso's stuff that's that's all the abstract but he did other things too and he started out in different directions and mm-hmm. every artist has done that because you need to kind of you need to kind of go through a journey in your photography to find your own voice there is just something to take pictures but then there's the point of taking pictures that you feel that you're that most likely will make sense to no one but you but that's okay because that's what the reason of doing what you're trying to do is so you know Mhm. so yeah it's not an overnight it's not an overnight success if you have overnight, i mean i would I would have hated to have overnight success. If anything, I had less than that. I mean, most of my friends went out of the gate, figured it out, like, got, like, advertising clients, and the people relied on this one thing, and then they were terrified of changing themselves from what that was. And because that's what made them money, that's what kept the lights on, that's what was able to keep their studio going, and and I would change out what I was doing every six months. I would, like, all of a sudden, I'm not shooting in that camera, I'm shooting a different format, or... I'm using this light instead of that light. And it was just this collection because I just constantly wanted to try to learn something new and see something different, you know, and in the middle of that, you obviously you had the other things you could do, but always trying to do something different was more interesting to me, you know, or seeing differently.
0: Yeah. Since we're on that topic, what would you say is some, some more bad advice that is given to uh, photographers or artists in general? Uh, God, there's too much.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest problem is 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 is, is when you you know um, I think a lot of photography schools will send kids out and they'll say like go out and find two or three artists you like and then copy what they're doing. And and to me, you know, it'd be more interesting to say go find two or three artists and then try to find out what you think they were trying to say and then illustrate it in the way you think that 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 the answer is. You know, I mean, that would be more interesting and that's you know and i think that also you know which i did not follow but i think it's important somewhat too is that you know if you were if you were painting or drawing you'd be better to understand how to do it right before then you do it wrong you know so with photography you should understand i mean that's that's the whole thing when you brought up the instagram thing before is that you know, with Instagram photography, anybody can go out and take pictures because the 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 camera is doing so much of the thought for you. And um, and what people forget about photography, it, it is the most basic. It's the capture of light. So if you could you could take a million pictures and get lucky on your iPhone, you know. But you what you need to do is study light, and and in photography, that's more important than anything to me is that you have to understand light and i taught a cl- i taught a semester of a class at art center and i made all of the students and this is before people had iphones and that kind of thing and i wanted them to uh basically keep a journal of light which i did when i was younger and i would just basically make a record of like you know and it all kind of started sitting on an airplane you know and and you know when it banks and that light goes through the whole airplane and you watch how the whole interior of the airplane changes just by the act of pushing that light through it. Well, how was that created? What was created? Well, you know, hard light was coming through and hitting the white walls on the other side and and then illuminating and kind of filling back. And, you know, and, and it's this whole wonderful motion. And you can put your finger up on maybe in, on, on the table and you watch the shadow move around it and how the light changes over that over and over again. So... I made them basically just kind of keep these journals. Like, every day when you see a piece of light you think is interesting, make note of how it's created. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's more important than anything in photography. That's the first lesson in photography if I was to be a teacher at university that I would make people understand. Because the rest of it, composition and, and all the technical stuff to it, it'll all come, that all comes afterward. But if you don't understand the most basics, that to me is the basics of photography. So... Mm. It's like the human form with drawing. Like if you don't understand how to basically draw the most basic point of what human form is, you can't then abstract it, you know, so. Mm
0: -hmm. About the same thing that you just brought up, uh, with all the people that you have worked with, uh, with all the artists that you have worked with, and with also, uh, with all the students that you, that you've had, can you tell me something, uh, that you've learned either from somebody that uh, you have shot or from your students?
1: Um, well it's interesting with teaching across the board and it happens every time I teach um, which I've kind of missed it the last couple of years I haven't taught in the last couple of years like you know face to face with people I did a couple of lectures and talks on the internet but that's I don't really find that as, as easy or as interesting um, but I learn a lot about myself because as I'm teaching them and, I'm, and they're asking me questions I have to explain things So it's interesting when you have to basically look back and explain to yourself or talk about how you did it, how it reminds you, and then you start learning from that process. And then you see how they take what you say, and then, um, you know, then they take it and they run with it. And then you say, oh, that's interesting, because I wouldn't have seen it that way, but that's great that you did see it that way, because that means that's more you. And then you then you you know then there's a lot of times there's a lot of little 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 tools people will bring sometimes it all kind of back when I used to teach at uh, Santa Fe workshops um, many many years ago I used to teach a class on Polaroid on 665 Polaroid negative and we basically have all these pictures and then digital came around and um, the first time someone should have I mean I taught this class and there was 20 students in it and we were together for a week, and, and about 75% of the class had digital cameras. And I'd never touched a digital camera. So it was really difficult for me. Be, but then I found it was a lot easier for me to teach the class digitally because it was a lot quicker, and you know the sensors were much more of what I was thinking in the first place. And so they all taught me about digital photography. I went out and bought a digital camera when I left um, that workshop to teach myself how to use it and to see what's next so just by the act of having a class i ended up starting shooting digital because i needed to learn what it was and i saw that it had possibilities that i hadn't even thought about yet so and then subject matter um i mean it's it feels funny to say it but i mean but not funny but it just kind of it feels a like obvious but um i did, over the years i had a relationship with david bowie and we did 15 shoots together and and He was the most supportive of me trying things that were new without any judgment, you know. I could say, this is what I'm working on or this is what I'm trying. And he was the first person to look at my journals and kind of say, what are you going to do with these? You know, these are amazing. Because he'd sit there and he'd go through them page by page and he thought it was funny. I wrote backwards and we discussed, you know, why and what the process was and where my brain was and what was this about or what's that about and, you know, and he... But he would always be supportive in the process of me trying to try something different, you know. And I think that's why our relationship started on the point of trying something different. You know, I, I painted him with a flashlight, you know, and which, you know, which was different. And from there on, we always, you know, what he got next, what's next, what he try this light, do this light. There was never any, and he never looked at me and said, "This is the picture I want you to take." So he allowed me. And which was terrifying, if you think about it, terrifying to basically say, I'm going to try this with you today. And he'd be like, okay. You know, and, and maybe it didn't work, and maybe it would work. And, and But he was open to trying different things with me, you know, in the middle of doing things that were not so different, you know. So I got lucky that way, and, and I think that was probably one of my biggest influences was him because of that. I mean, he was a tremendous artist, beyond the point of being a musician and and all the rest he did he was he saw beyond what was what was now and he looked always beyond into the future and saw what was happening and and then also supported people when he saw that by not saying anything you get more out of it you know he, you'll get a lot more if he, if he didn't try to direct me or try to guide me just let me do what i do so
0: yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, he was uh, the favorite artist of my grandfather, who was very dear to me. And oh. uh, thanks to my grandfather, yeah. I uh, I learned of him at a very young age and uh, obviously have been in love with his music ever since. And also what he was sure. as a person, yeah. as an actor, as an artist, like everything. It was just completely amazing and so unique. I'm,
1: I'm, I really, I'm really hoping there's a book of his art that will come out one day, like a really big book, because it's like, the ideas and the things he did and me and just blew my mind he'd show me I'd be like this is crazy this is like insane what this is so yeah mhm
0: but if if I can uh, like uh, uh, bring out the similarity between you and David Bowie then it would be the fact that uh, with David Bowie's music even if it's something that that was made like uh, 45 years ago Uh, People today, people my age, people much younger than me still love it just as much and it still sounds just as fresh, it doesn't feel old, it doesn't feel aged in any way. And in so many ways, yeah. your, your photography and your photography plus whatever you have like uh, put on the photography, whether it's collages or uh, like uh, painting, drawing, whatever, it feels exactly the same way to me, that it's, uh, it's ageless, basically, because it's, I can look at your photos from the 1990s. And uh, if you had made them yesterday, I would be like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And it hasn't aged one bit. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very, very beautiful to see.
1: Thanks. I mean, Timeless is like, I like the idea of Timeless. I mean, I like the idea of something doesn't have to feel so much playing into what is, what is popular. You know what I mean? So, uh, but it, and it is very much like he, David constantly would try to see what's next. I mean, he created all the musicians he would find, the types of music he would get into. I mean, he spent hours talking to my assistants over lunches about what, what he felt like, what are you guys listening to? what did you see lately? And, you know, he didn't want to talk to me. I was, you know, he knew, you know, I was, you know, I was close to not his age, but I was, he was listening to people that were out running around and kind of like, you know, hearing things on the street or, you know, or new things because, and that's what keeps you fresh as an artist to basically always be open to what is new and happening and techniques or ideas. And, I mean, that's much more exciting. You know, I can't, I'm, I mean, I'm 62. I'm, I'll be curious. I mean, I have so much... That I want to learn before I hit my seventies, and um, I keep taking classes and things that that make no sense to me. But I'm, yeah. I'm, trying, I'm trying to do like I take a uh, I take these drawing classes uh, with my wife online um, uh, through the Newland Art School in England, and as, there's two people. Um, there's Faye Dobson and, and then uh, Rob Unet and they're Two people who drew, draw draw the form and they're both very different in how they approach things. Both amazing artists, but Rob Unet's stuff is great because it's all about like if you like the line, destroy it. You know what I mean? And okay, you made this thing. Now if you, the minute you start to like it, now tear it apart and put it back and don't you know don't look for the perfect or the point you know the form. Look for the more the feeling of what the form is. And it's like and it's great thing. And I can't I can never do it. He's an amazing illustrator, painter, I don't know how you want to label him, he's just an amazing artist and I'll take these classes and I get i I get frustrated because I get into trying to basically do what he's doing and I know that's not what he wants me to do, he wants me to do what I do but within the thought of what he's doing because I know from teaching that's how I teach so, but you definitely get into it because you see his line and how he finds these things out of these, these just by the allowance of just once you make it, destroy it you know what I mean? And then, oh, look what comes out of when you basically push the layers upon the layers and then you basically start wiping them away. And to me, that is like, you know, it's been my new thing to kind of try to teach myself. So what, what, what am I seeing out of this? What can I do out of this? You
0: know, yeah. So. Uh, relating to what you said about David Bowie, always looking for what's new and what's happening. Uh, what do you think are the pros and cons of uh, social media? Uh, I mean, relating to, relating to arts, like Instagram, for example.
1: I think it's great. I mean, I don't have any problem with Instagram. I mean, I think it's great that more people get to put stuff out and, and, and get to see things and try things. and. I mean, it's a commercial entity, and, and the, pro- the problem is somebody. it would be great if someone made one for the arts. You know what I mean? that just basically didn't have any issues with nudity or, or what was disturbing to people or whatever, that it just was about art. You know what I mean? And what How people express themselves. And um, that will be interesting. But, um, you know, on that point, it's kind of great. But the other problem is, is that, you know, I have a lot of friends that shoot things that are maybe, you know, too much for some people. And and then you get one person who gets to basically decide, gets to be the critic of your work. You know what I mean? And say, oh, well, I was offended by that. And then it gets taken down. Or you get, you get punished or you get kicked off because one person... Didn't like what you had, which I think is kind of ridiculous. I think that there should be much more of a thing as if you're offended by something, stop. Then, then you should basically remove yourself from watching them. Just don't look. Same thing with television anything else. It's like, you know, if you don't like the program, you change the channel. You don't get to complain about that. That somebody else might want to watch it. You know, so yeah. I mean, because the more you say you don't like something. Um, I mean, by walking around saying that, more people want to go see it. So basically, you're kind of, you know, screwing up your own thought pattern in the sense of. Uh, but it's also that the idea that everyone has to have the exact same, you know, desires. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, what they like, what they feel OK about is it's just not right. It's not it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's a very, you know, religious belief that these are the rules and don't break them. And of course the most people I know that are heavily religious all have broken so many rules and they forget the very, the, they, they always forget the very first one, which is basically forgiveness, you know yeah. what I mean? It's <laughs> yes. like, you know, that you don't, you know, you don't live in judgment. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, if you don't like what I'm saying, that's okay. But you know, that's, what's part of it. That's part of being part of a society. So,
0: yeah. Uh, what would you say is your biggest vice that you're willing to share and has it been a help or a hindrance Mar- in your creative <laughs> life?
1: My biggest vice. I kind of like let's say. Uh, pro- I mean, I guess sexuality in the sense of that it's you know, I don't have an, I don't have issues with. Uh, I mean, if you think I mean, I don't have any issues with anything that's sexually overt. I don't have an issue with that. I mean, I think it's funny that when people get so twisted about pornography, but they'll watch a violent movie. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. kind of like you watch someone's head get chopped off, but to watch people have sex now, that's, like, upsetting, you know? It's kind of like... Or even just the nude body. I mean, I, you know, I I, I I, love the human form. I've been accused of not being... Why don't you shoot men? It's because I just don't see it. I don't... It, it doesn't... You know, I mean, you shoot what you basically you do, and but to stay with my own thoughts is I should be shooting things that I'm uncomfortable with, you know? So maybe I should be shooting you know, men, and, and trying what that is and seeing where that goes. Uh, but I think that uh, vice-wise, I don't really have many. My my biggest vice, which I can't, which my 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 one addiction I still have in life is I love really good, you know, red wine, Italian red wine. And the problem being is that I now, in my in my 60s, have acquired acid reflux, so, which means I'm not supposed to drink red wine, <laughs> so... You know, so I let myself drink it a couple nights a week, and that's all, just so I don't, you know. But beyond that, I mean, I went through a lot of things when I was younger. You know, I did never become an addict, but I I definitely tried drugs and did all that when I was younger. And I, you know, I do, uh, you know, and I never really drank to excess. But um, as I got older, I think in my 40s, I started drinking red wine. But uh, when I I have a, I had a tendency when I was from my twenties and into my 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 mid my late well, my late forties, um, I internalized a lot of things and allowed my stomach to churn all this acid up and and kind of create the problems that I have today. I instead of just allowing myself to, you know, go beyond that and kind of like you know just c- calmly go through life and not let every little thing kind of drive me crazy or upset me so um, my my one vice I have left <laughs> is is red wine and now I'm being being kind of told I shouldn't be drinking it because of, of health reasons or that kind of thing so so I try to do other things to kind of get around it so I'm able to do it so
0: and uh, how, how, so, how have those vices uh, uh, influenced your creativity have there been a help or a hindrance or both I can
1: help I think it's, I mean, it's help. I mean, it was definitely a conversation when I was putting things out to put into the show. Jessica and I looked at a couple pieces and she's like, I'm not really sure we can put this up on the wall. Do we have something else? And I agreed. I mean, it's just sometimes, you know, you basically do draw from the darkest point of your mind, you know. But I also have a very dark sense of humor in the sense that I allow, um, I make fun of my own, you know you know, being the, you know, being like, I always drew all these drawings of this big fat guy with a tiny little penis running around and always kind of getting caught in the middle of what he's doing, you know, and, and that's kind of an ongoing drawing that's happened in my life, you know. That will that of, be in my dreams know, today. <laughs> that that humor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they've all, I mean, all of it is all strewn through the work it all cat. it's all a good catalyst to have. It's all okay um, to basically, uh, you know, um, I mean, you use everything in your life. I think the problem is everyone basically is terrified of their own darkness, that everyone, everything has to be happy, shiny, butterflies, you know, and I, I'm, I like seeing the darker side of, of, um, of everything.
0: I think you are so right. Side. And I think this is a message that so many people need to hear and really let it like sink through them because I think you're mm. so, so, so right. Yeah, mm. uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read you a quote I think it's from the Bible, but it might be from one of the books that was left out of the Bible. But uh, okay. but uh, tell me tell me what you think about that. I think it relates to what you, we were just talking about. Uh, okay. Quote, if you bring out that which is in you, that which is in you will save you. If you don't bring out yeah. that which is in you, that which is in you will destroy you. End uh-huh. of quote. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that, that goes across the board in the sense of, you know allowing yourself to be the truest point of who you are and what you see and what you do um and the minute you basically trying to cover it up it's gonna it, it just eats away at you because you're not allowing it to get out I mean there's a lot of great artists probably that never will be ever seen because people have either told them that you know what they're doing isn't right or it doesn't make sense to them so they listen to others instead of listening to themselves so um I would agree with that
0: 100%. Yeah, beautiful. Well, uh, Frank, thank you so much. It has been so nice talking Thanks. to you. And well, I uh, hope
1: this has uh, been good for you, and I, I hope that the, 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 my, my main thing for the exhibitions and that, that we've built for Fotografiska, the important thing, in which I want to leave everyone with this thought, is that it, uh, it's supposed to inspire it's not supposed to you know it's supposed to make you want to leave and kind of create and and that's been my biggest push on this exhibition is that the inspiration should be the biggest takeaway on the whole thing if you get it or not if you understand it or not or whatever I was going through it should inspire you to go out and create you know and and that's what I've I like that more than than being famous or successful or anything else anybody wants to call all this. But I think it's it's more fun to inspire people to kind of create. So,
0: What has been the most inspirational to you in the past few years? Um, I don't know. That's
1: a good question. I, I, I'm inspired by so many different things uh, that I, I, I keep going to see things that... That I, you know, my, my biggest inspiration is, is movement through things, and I, I have a tendency to, every time I find there's a Richard Serra sculpture in my travels, I'll always go visit it and walk through it, because it's a journey, and I love how light moves through things, so I have a tendency to go see a lot of exhibitions of, of artists, and just take, take away what I think, but, uh, you know, take away and kind of process and say, well, wh- where's, what's this make sense to me? How's this make sense to me? Kind of thing. So, but, uh, I can I'm, and so I'm coming up blank to say if you could pick out one thing that would be, I mean, there's all little pieces of things. I mean, I just, the other night I just watched the, uh, the, what was it? Like the, the death of Macbeth or the killing of Macbeth or whatever. And it was like, that they did on Apple television it's all beautifully done in black and white and, you know Denzel Washington and, and uh, it's unbelievable when you see things like that you forget because you, sometimes people forget how beautiful graphic photography can be and, and how it can be used and doesn't have to be so obvious you know so that little thing will take a beat inspiration. I'll see something on Instagram and I'll go like oh that's inspirational for me to try this you know and I'm never usually trying to do exactly what I'm seeing I'm just trying to basically see how I can process it myself. So,
0: mm. uh, which is I, the
1: same with seeing the exhibition, is that you look at the exhibition, you're not gonna go home and make journals like I make journals or take pictures the way I take pictures, but it may inspire you to be free of mind and kind of go out and you know, not, not think with such judgment of uh, what you're trying to do and just do. you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, sorry, I lied to you. I'm gonna ask you one more question. Uh, you sure. said you were like 61 or 62 at the moment?
1: i'll be yeah i'll be sixty two in september sixty two so right, anyway.
0: can you tell me something uh, like uh, changed beliefs uh, something that you have changed your beliefs uh, around in the past let's say five ten fifteen twenty years huh.
1: i I've been lucky in the sense that i my beliefs are always or never are ever changing let's say and I was raised that way by my mother in the sense to say that you know, um, be always open-minded and I've become more and more allowance to not let things affect me so much, you know, so, um, and try to keep me as, you know, my wife will always make fun of me when I'm yelling at the television set because it's something that's ridiculous on the news, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but I have a tendency, I've, I've, I've allowed myself not to let so much like, uh, build in me and get angry. And just to basically allow myself to kind of just quietly meditate, you know. I do, I meditate a little bit, not really hardcore meditation, but I I will always take a time about 10 minutes out of every day to kind of
0: sit still for a second and just kind of like quiet the mind. So. But can you, can you, can you, sorry, can you come up with an opinion that you used to hold but don't hold anymore?
1: Huh. Uh... I'm not sure I can. <laughs> well, that's. Uh, I'm trying to think about what that is. It's kind of interesting because I use my opinions, huh? I mean, I I've got lucky. I kind of I I'm an, I'm the same person that I was when I was in in high. I mean, in in college. I would say high school probably not so much, but in college. I think that it's just i I've always been open to what's, you know, very open-minded. So, so you I you haven't
0: really... haven't really hold opinions for uh, like too strongly
1: something major no i mean i'll have an opinion and i allow it to change i mean i I immediately if i can be proven wrong or or be told or shown differently um i just go okay great that's the next thing you know and but i don't necessarily remember anything that's specific that um
0: that you know i I mean i think that's very good so i think that's that's a very good very good answer that's uh, yeah yeah uh, is there anything else you want to say to our listeners before we wrap up?
1: No, I, I mean, we've talked about a lot of great stuff. I've, I've enjoyed our conversation because you've kept it more to the creative process, which is I like talking about that. And I like kind of, you know, making people feel excited by that. So, um, you know, that to me is I'm I'm happy this is what the conversation was today.